All right, I always I'm get out. one false start. Oh no, <laughs> I messed up the whole relationship. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and people outside the binary. This is Less Stupid with Thomas Huda, a show that's completely uncut, uncensored, and unsure what to ask this wonderful artist, Amia. We're gonna right. get through it. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, hi everybody. My name is Amia Nectar. I'm glad to be on this little podcast thing. Let's see what it's what's it about, what's happening. All right, Absolutely. cool, cool. I'm on a radio share show here at Firewalker Radio. Um, you can tune in every Friday at three o'clock. Three to five PM, right? There it is. K E P w.org absolutely or 97.3 if you're around the eugene oregon area there we go so here we go yeah absolutely how did it go today what did you spin oh we talked about actually we did talk about some controversial things today okay we did gonna ask you we talked about antarctica if aliens are real space travel we talked about um yeah, just holy moly, a whole lot of stuff. A whole lot. <laughs> I of was stuff. telling you just earlier, like, oh, it's a totally uncensored show. Yeah, and then I'm like, holy moly. Yeah, right. <laughs> like what? No, I'm just, uh, you know, so not very rebellious. Okay. <laughs> like I love okay. free speech and I like podcasts because people get a real chance to lay out their opinion instead of the quick sound bites. Right. But most of my opinions, I don't think, are that controversial. Okay. <laughs> what uh, what is a controversial opinion that you have though? about um, anything well i'm a very uh sexually liberated person yes so i and believe we have a puritanical society <laughs> i believe we should talk about it we should do it more because actually more sex is safe sex that's a whole little comp- complex thing there's more to that but uh yeah that's 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 what i believe i appreciate that mm-hmm. and i would probably fall on the same opinion on many of those i guess issues but mostly when it comes to sexuality issues are just people having a problem with it yeah very true (laughs) um but also of course there's access to contraceptives and birth control and serious rights issues so as a person do you feel like um employers should I'm, I'm going to try to be like, a, I'm a, I told you what my opinions are, but I'm going to try to get at some of yours too. Okay. Because I talk to musicians about issues like in politics and I talk to try to talk to political people about music and right. doing it all. Okay. Do you think employers should provide contraceptive uh, like services um, and birth control uh, even if they have like a religious opposition to it? Oh, you're taking me back to my pageant days. Oh. They would ask me these questions, pull out a bowl and just answer it. And I have anxiety now, just like I had anxiety then. Um, I'm sorry. That's a good question. Um, I Honestly, I do. Yes. Because it's it's important. I mean, especially if you're going to... I mean, it's your body. You yeah. know, no one wants to make those decisions for you. But to just promote, like, safe sex is is just important absolutely i totally agree and honestly um abstinence only sex education for example Mm -hmm. still affects still is what children here in eugene here in lane county are being brought up through i remember i had a program called students today aren't ready for sex stars yeah when i was in middle school all my classmates we literally would put on we put on a beyonce song check on it Ooh, boy, you looking, looking like you like, like what you, you see. see. Won't you come over and check? Yeah. Yeah. Great song. Uh-huh. And we analyzed it just to be like, what negative messages is this teaching our youth? What? Yeah. 
and so. not a damn thing. No. Like, it's just a fun song. And she's actually very kind of self-empowered in that song. She's mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't felt touch it. it. Yeah. You know, you can look, but don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And that's an important message about consent that we don't learn if we just do abstinence only. True. So. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, I was raised like that in the church, but I I took sexuality in my own hands when I was about 11. Wow. And I had the internet. <laughs> and I went yep. crazy. I was like, let me look up this. I'm going to look up that. <laughs> right? Looking it up. You know, I'm a little I'm a little picky, so I'm like I go to like the 30th 30th page and then I'm like, okay, finally <laughs> this this is going to work. But Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually when they get the hottest videos, that's not really what no, you want to see. It's, it's like, not. It's like totally what the mainstream culture's idea of sexuality can be. Mm-hmm. If we're going to talk about sexuality and porn, I'd love to get into it. Do, do you ever, um, with the kinds of messages that are depicted in some of those really popular videos, or with the way that a lot of people call the... Um, it's like, okay, I, I, I'm going to try to talk about the exploitation that does occur in some situations. But when I do that, I don't want to also imply that all these women are not empowered. They're not, um, this, they're not expressing their sexual agency, which I think they are. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, you know, they can't be in the industry for more than a few years unless they're willing to do more intense and or degrading sort of stuff. Right. Do you have any feelings about any of that? Um, I believe, Hmm. It actually makes me think of a YouTuber. Her name is like Shannon Rose. And she was a porn star back in the day. And she talks about how she used to do, like she didn't, at the time, she didn't realize that her past would catch up to her. Interesting. And the things that she was doing um, was like, I think something came up with her doing something with an animal, and oh, wow. it, and she and she ha- she's an established YouTuber where she does talk about her sex life and mm-hmm. her past. But this was something that people were absolutely like, no, no, ma'am, like, sure. And so I don't know. Right. I haven't heard from her since. Ah, so I do believe there are certain limits to what yes. you do, but for the right. most part, you know, even even like interracial. Like that's a mm-hmm. big like genre in porn. People yes. love that, uh-huh. um, especially with like black men and um, white women. White women. That's like a Kanye has said that's his search. favorite. His favorite. Like, I bet category. it is. I bet Kanye. Blacked. <laughs> Kanye. <laughs> I bet. It, I bet it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that person is just liable to say whatever he's feeling. Yeah, and that that's when it can go too far. Again, like true, <laughs> true, but. Yeah, but I respect Kanye. Mm-hmm. I'm just throwing out the. Like, as an artist, I respect Kanye. His um, the way that he um, engineers music. Mm. His. Pro- oh my gosh! I'll give you. I'll give you that, Kanye. Yes. Don't take my mic. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna take it. I'm not- <laughs> yeah. Kanye just walks in here. Like you dissed me on this way- podcast. <laughs> worst podcast of all worst time. Podcast. Way worse than Beyonce's yeah. video. Like, wow. Um, what a person. But I'm a huge fan of his music too i've talked to people before and surprised people and said he's probably my actually my biggest musical inspiration really yes Mm. um also that comes from me recently being diagnosed with bipolar disorder too feeling a sense of not of like i can relate sometimes he because he expresses all of that as he's going through it yeah i was diagnosed with psychosis Mm. mania 
Yeah, it's a whole thing. Okay. It's a yeah. whole thing. So, you know, well, cra- would... from crazy to crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I would never try to deny that I'm crazy, but let's, he even talks about, let's take the stigma away from crazy. Yeah. Because honestly, too, the unfortunate thing, I think one of the things that can trigger me to get frustrated that sometimes has led to my mania is we live in a world that's totally unjust mm. and fucked up. That's true. Um, and it would be crazy not to be upset about that, at least on some level. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it's, it's just, I think it's hard to regulate, self-regulate, like, okay, how much am I diving into this news cycle and reading up about every little thing that the people have done that, that you know, whoever it may be, I was going to say Republicans, but also I got my frustration with Democrats. I got my frustrations with um, the media a lot of me creating this podcast is like a rebellion against mainstream corporate media, what we can and can't talk about. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I just start talking. I'll just shut up. No, what it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, yeah. I, since moving to Eugene, yeah. I've heard people really try to change the way that they use their language as well. Mm. I mean, language is really empowering instead of saying, oh, that's so crazy. You say instead, wow, that's fascinating. Sure. You know, and that, and so... In that way, you're also acknowledging um, that maybe other people, because we see reality only through how we see it a lot of times, and mm. we don't take into consideration how other people are experiencing reality. Yes. And just changes in our language, changes in, in how we speak to somebody can be that, because there's so many times where you feel like somebody said something to you and you're like, uh, but they didn't mean it that way. Sure. That's probably just the way that they speak. Mm. Um, and no one, no one ever reacted to that in the way that you may have reacted sure. because you're coming from a different, a different walk of life. So right. um, I'm definitely more so trying to correct my, um, my language and mm. how I speak. And just even the, like what we think of as like the small things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like what you said there because you're talking about how we should all try to strive to be more respectful with how we talk. Yeah. But you also want to recognize when people have a moment where they say something they don't know is offensive. Often I think it come it can come out of a lack of educational privilege. Mm. You know, I've, I can only speak from a perspective. I got a lot of money from Bill Gates. He hooked it up fat for me to go to college. Mm-hmm. It was pretty dope. Um at that college, the standard of what was permissible, it was like, instead of being here where I grew up, where we have some conservative people, okay. and there are a lot of, honestly, Trump people in Eugene. There you know, are, yeah. You know, in Lane County, mm-hmm. all around in Oregon. Um, but from that campus experience, and then I'm saying the spectrum is from there to like extremely progressive. Okay. But in my college I went to, Carleton College, it was basically, there were a few Trump supporters, but they're very, very frankly marginalized is not even really a terrible word to use in some cases um, because of just how unable to express and assert that part of who they were. I wouldn't even say Trump. I would say people who wanted Jeb Bush, like people Mm -hmm. who had any kind of conservative opinion, um, but didn't agree with all the crazy rhetoric and the crazy behavior. Okay. Um, So anyway, yeah, at that point, um, conservatism, it, it, it exists around here as well. And what you're kind of getting at is that if we try to humanize people, maybe sit down and have conversations in long form, we can get past, oh, you said this word or, or you know, one thing, but it is hard to draw a line, right? Between like, I don't want to hear people just saying, calling people like 
illegals is one that I don't I don't like, you mm-hmm. know. We should refer to people as undocumented immigrants or we should just refer to them as my fucking neighbor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's sometimes my issue is like I want to humanize people on the right, but sometimes people on the right can be there's willful ignorance. There's or there's willful there's people like, say ignorant <sighs> stuff so confidently too. Yeah. So con like mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you have any stories? You sound like you might have an example. Um, I mean, like politics aren't really my thing, so sure. I won't go into too deep into that. But I, what I've seen here, as far as like even the culture that the culture that Trump has started, I mean, with the "Make America Great Again," even the hats, you know, mm. here. I'm from Tucson, Arizona, and we don't really, I don't, I don't remember seeing any of the hats, to be honest. Right. I went to a rally once. I went to a Trump rally. Uh, really? Yeah, where he c- came and- Was it in Arizona? It was, yeah. Oh, wow. A lot happened there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. As as soon as I walked in there, I, I was met with aggressiveness, anger, mm. uh Lots of lots of sly remarks were made to me, Jeez. but I wanted to go for the experience because sure. I had went to the Bernie Sanders uh, Great. rally as well. And what I realized, first of all, Bernie Sanders, it was packed in there, packed. Nice and uh, positive energy. Everyone's People like, yeah. are so excited for a revolutionary candidate like they him. are. Mm-hmm. They're so excited. Mm-hmm. And in comparison to the Trump rally, they're hardly, not hardly, but it was half full. I'm telling you, half mm. full. Angry people. Wow, in Arizona. Yeah, like you could just see the. <laughs> there was like sure. a totally different type of energy, right? Um, in these, in these type of people, in those mm-hmm. uh, people at the rally. Mm-hmm. And uh, as far as the hats, like I didn't see any of the hats outside of the rally in in Tucson, Arizona. But here in Eugene, I see the hats. But then I also see parodies of the hats. Sure. Like make. Eugene, I don't know. Eugene Green again. Yeah, things like that. Oh, yeah. And it, and to me that doesn't is I don't understand that. Mm. I guess maybe it's yeah, the equivalent like, of taking the well, N-word back. I don't know. <laughs> that's a little too far. That's a little too far. But like that's how much it doesn't make any sense. It makes it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Why? Well, I think that people should hopefully recognize, like, again, the, my frustration with the media is they just keep feeding into his dogma. They feed into his rhetoric by amplifying him. And, you know, when we parody him, we're still bringing attention to what he's doing. And I think that, right. you know, some of my favorite candidates have talked about how when the more we do that and the less we focus on, hey, what's our positive like agenda that we want to accomplish when we get the op- get the presidency again mm. because Trump's presidency is going to end. I personally hope it's this year, but by 2024 it'll definitely end and we we have so much to fix. Yeah. The problems, the problems started what long before mm-hmm. uh his being in office. Um as far as I don't want to force you to talk too much politics like you said it's not your lane necessarily or yeah. not your thing. But um Okay, so what we know about you is you're from Arizona. You're a musician named Amia Nectar. Mm-hmm. Um, and what has inspired you to be a musician? M- making music is kind of a crazy thing to do. It is. <laughs> it is. Not in Eugene, though. True. <laughs> in, in Portland area. But it, it is. I mean, anything in the arts is seen as like, what? are you going to get a real job? Uh, uh, what's happening? Where? But um, I've always written music. I can, since I can remember, even like six, 
at the at the latest, I would put on concerts for my mom, make them pay, mm. uh, because I would put on a the whole Destiny's Child album. I would learn it, go out there and perform, um, and then for a little bit, I didn't sing or make any music. I think a lot of it had to do with my relationship with my mother. She put down a lot of my creative um, outlets and she didn't really like grow them, so to speak. Mm. And so I was like confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then as when I was a teenager, I started singing in the church. And honestly, I was not singing for the Lord. I was singing <laughs> for my own <laughs> gratification. I was like, yes, I hit, I'm going to hit that high note. <laughs> and like everyone's like, woo, yeah, falling out, running around the church. I'm like, I did that. I did that. I didn't really fully understand um, the structure or the belief system at that time. Well, I don't think any kid could. I mean, yeah, I think so it's com- so complex too. Yes, and as much as the Bible has been translated, King James version, New International Version, you know, etc. A lot of people haven't read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people who are in churches, and I've attended two churches regularly in my life, and I do consider myself a Christian, um, but I'm such a rebellious person that my Christianity is like it's personal between me and my idea of Jesus Christ, my idea of the divine, the spiritual. Mm. Um, and so I, I don't like it to be reined in by other ideas oh, okay. about that. Um, but I don't think you should cr- blame yourself too much for, uh, I mean, like, even <laughs> Jesus was tempted, you know. Jesus right. was uh, a, was perfect uh, biblically, mm-hmm. but he was tempted by the devil, by forces that you know. Maybe in that moment, you you don't feel like you were singing it for God. But my mu- my view about music is so optimistic. I almost feel like just about all music is an expression of God. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What well, do you think? I feel like I'm more spiritual, so I, in a sense, I do connect with what you're saying, um, because I did feel I, movements, like seeing people bust out of tears. That's just not nothing. Like right. that's coming from somewhere deep that even even I couldn't understand. Or Absolutely. sometimes I bust out crying while I was singing, sure. and I didn't know where that was coming from, but it. It was the experience, the energy, everything that's happening in that room created something. So I definitely, um, I feel that. And I feel that when I um, create music as well. It's yeah. so fun writing songs because you can do whatever you want. No one's telling you what to do. Absolutely. Write whatever you want. Experiment. Try new sounds. Put a little ding in there if you want a ding in there. <laughs> or, I don't know, some outlandish instrument. It's up. It's like really up to your own creativity. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's been, and I've uh, thought about trying to go to law school to be like a hip hop lawyer to get people, like young artists, to be able to sample more and profit off of it. Yes. Because, you know, who cares about the fucking Beatles, uh, like whoever owns the Beatles estate? Right. Let me pull a little bit of Blackbird and put some trap drums under it or whatever. And that's a and really it, amazing artistic yes. expression. Yes. Yeah. But like the only people that can do it, you have to be connected to the labels to pay a ton of money to clear those samples. Right. So that's something I'm pretty passionate about. Right. And they're all about legacy too. They want to keep that, you know, those royalties and everything to them. Mm -hmm. So I'm at that. Actually, we were talking about on the show too. Um, I don't know who, but um, one of my, um, I guess, colleagues i don't know what to call them anyways lavish <laughs> yeah. from firewalker radio nice uh he 3 brought to 5 p.m on fridays in eugene oregon there you go tune in. tune in yes um he 
mentioned some some artists who expanded that in in their contracts to to like the the ends of the universe or something like that the way that it was worded was like whoa so you're telling me if i even if i go to mars i can't sample your song like that's crazy that's interterrestrial law like come on it's all about the almighty dollar no limits no yeah. limits there. So it's exciting to me to see artists, though, that are carving a lane that's more independent right. of the major labels. Because um, you brought up Destiny Child, and Destiny Child is amazing. But like, think about if we had if the internet existed in the '90s, how many acts that could have been inspired by Destiny Child could have been in conversation with them, could have could have put out stuff on YouTube, right. to Their own interpolations and brought brought about more community that way. That's been a cool part of the internet for sure. Definitely. Um, or like, I love Chance the Rapper, independent artist. I love Tech Nine. He has his own label. Mm. I, I like Insane Clown Posse. They have mm. their own label. People carving out their own creative establishment and hopefully like being able to, to do, at least make a living as creatives. Right. You know, um, there are opportunities now, but because there's so much content out there, you also have to be pushing it really hard. And right. that can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Hearing artists say that they haven't even read a contract when they're entering an agreement, like they, especially young artists, like they're, they're pushed amounts of money they've never seen in their entire lives. Sure. And immediately they're like, yeah, I want this. And I want to, I want the clout. I want to be able to tell my family and my friends that like, I got yep. this money in a day they wanted me and you don't, you, you don't look at the things and then you get caught up and you know, five years later mm -hmm. they own all your songs. What are you going to do? Like when you actually want to venture out or sure it's it's hard that's yeah. i think that's what happened to taylor swift she, something happened with her where she's she doesn't own her music she's in a legal battle mm -hmm. with with her mm -hmm. it's, yeah it's crazy yeah there's been uh, issues with kesha um yeah allegations of sexual assault against dr luke and her not being able to put out music right having to work with this person who she accused who you know of this behavior it's it's just sad when you see something as beautiful and organic as music. Right. The mechanisms through which you can make be successful with it. It's I think of it as predatory and I think of it as exploitative. It is. Labels and these young artists who mm -hmm. hopefully they can educate themselves a little more and read the contract first. But even then, like if you're in from desperate circumstances, which a lot of my favorite music comes from. Yeah. Uh, because it has a story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, then you're going to want to take that that offer with the big cash advance right. that might not get you as many royalties down the road or gets you a much smaller slice of the sale mm -hmm. per song. Um, and so I think of that. I think of, for some, some reason, I'm making this connection between like, um, let's say if you're, because a lot of the music I love is hip hop, which is a black art form as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, like coming out of, coming out of the black experience and like I, which I don't know and, or understand from my own experience. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you, you're basically told there are two things you could do, J Cole says, you know, what's the price of a black man life? I checked the toe tag, not one zero in sight. I turned the TV on, not one hero in sight unless he dribble or he fiddle with mics. There it goes. Yes. Yeah. And there's the music lane. Mm -hmm. There's 
athletics, which are also very, very challenging and can be very exploitative. And if you're in college and the university is making millions and millions of dollars off your name and your work and your labor and your literal sweat and your literal blood. Yeah. It's only recently they're saying they might be able to make a little bit of money off that. Do you think that would have happened if it wasn't a predominantly black industry? (laughs) If it was all white, white basketball players and football players, I think they would have been getting paid by now. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Um, and to branch off of the music, um, expect, like Tyler, the creator recently, mm-hmm. he, like the, the fact that he feels, um, what was the, I don't remember the award show that it was. Yeah. And how he felt that the category or being called urban sure. is another, like another derogatory term to mm-hmm. say, to put him in, to box him in. So even if you are rapping, you can only rap and they only see it as that. They don't want to see you as, in all these different branching off into all these different categories and actually recognizing it for what it is. Because he even blatantly said, mm. my music is not just rap. Actually, no. I believe he said that it's not rap. Like Last he, three, four albums. Listen to that and tell me. It's no, it's an experience. Yes. Earthquake. Like I love that song <laughs> so much. I played that song out and nice. And it's not, it's, it's a different, it's, he, yeah, he really yeah. experimented with that. And to be told or to feel like you have to be put into a box, especially as an artist who, sh- who wants to create, mm-hmm. it is, I couldn't imagine. Sure. Couldn't imagine. Yeah. Kendrick Lamar is about to make a rock project. For real? Yes. For real? At least that's what's been talked about. And I think because he's so meticulous with his work, I hope it comes out. I hope it's great. But it won't come out unless he's really happy with it. Right. You know? Yeah. Because, okay, it's not going to be like some Lil Wayne, I'm going to make a rock project Mm -hmm. and just to try to branch out because I'm seen as one of these gods of rap. Let me do something else. It it can't be like Michael Jordan playing baseball. Right. I think when he does it, he wants it to be, this is, first of all, something I totally have the right to do. Right. You know? Because so much of American music is comes from African American culture. It does. <laughs> Blues, jazz, soul, R and B, disco devolved out of funk and became worse. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you Country, know, yeah. Rock, yeah, country, bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the twenty twenties are gonna be really big for um black and other artists of color making rock music. Mm. I also think it's going to be a You're lot. Telling of- me I should hop on the rock wave. <laughs> I, I might. <laughs> I Why not? Put something out, right? Pick up a guitar. Just to do. I feel like everything that I do will always have the element of R and B because that's just in my in my soul. That's. Um, but um, I can, as a musician, branch out into those things and feel confident as long as there's an element of of me and what what I know of me to be and I put that in there and I see it I'm like okay that's great and mm. then we can add whatever it is the guitar the bass whatever makes it sound um how, how ultimately I want it to sound if that makes sense right yeah have you ever heard of a band called Wicked Wisdom I haven't okay they had one album I believe but it's Jada Pinkett Smith what? uh she was a lead You're singer of a, metal, me right of a now. metal band actually I think I heard yes. about it. yeah I've seen photos bleed all over me is a single and they played on some of the late night shows but they didn't get that much traction because I mean I think it came out in 2000 mm-hmm. and gosh I hope they make a comeback or something because I wow. feel like people at least in the mainstream is more ready to accept cool shit like that because mm-hmm. it's great music too 
Um, not just saying, I don't know, just because, you know, right? she's making rock music that it's, you know, we should love it. I genuinely think it's fucking great music. No, I have But to I listen. just love seeing people do stuff they're not expected to or allowed to do. Right. Yeah. No, it's good. It's yeah. good. Um, and, al- the- and also, th- I mean, people might not be ready for something that you put out right now, but in like 10, 15 years, they'll look back. You'll get... I feel like I'll put, I'll put out a song or an artist will put out a song and, and in like 30 years from now, you'll get teenagers that are like, I was born in the wrong era. This is my music. <laughs> yes. And, and it'll pop up and everybody's listening to that. Yeah. So, and it all cycles around. Everything. Yeah. Have you ever heard of Satin Love Orchestra? They just, uh, they're kind of like a local but big act in Eugene. Um, they play all these disco and funk hits Neat. and they play in the park and they play and it's free. But I've, I've like known friends who, uh, they just like get on these crazy disco shoes and sunglasses and sparkly vests and jackets and stuff. And, uh, they, t- they would have loved to have been there in the real seventies, <laughs> mm. you know? Cool. Um, do you ever feel like there's, oh, this feels like a weird question to ask, like <laughs> an era you would have rather been in? I know, that's a weird question for a black person. I yes, always feel that's, real. I felt the tension when I asked it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I hear that question so much around my my, my, my friends of uh, different pigments. Yes. <laughs> um, mm, no. Yeah. No, and yeah. it's, it's it's just yeah absolutely i think you know yeah <laughs> i think you, absolutely I mean, I was, <sighs> but it almost like i mean is today significantly better it, it it's it, it's it's definitely yes. not yes yeah well yeah yes. yeah it is significantly better but <laughs> i can i can like <laughs> you're totally right a, like it's yes. better yes. and then like to th- to think about it i'd have to like almost rewrite history in a way to where it wasn't exactly like that it was different experience for me or i i have to envision myself as a white person and it's just it gets too complicated so the answer is no but yeah. i do see how other people can easily like it's not privileged so to speak but i mean it I is it could be you, yeah you, i mean you have it's it, it it's certain people's history, so they, they can look back and say, okay, yeah, I mean, yes. I would love to meet my great-great-whatever, and I would love to experience that and yes. all that stuff. So it's easier when you know you don't have those adversities to face if you are, yeah. Absolutely. That's, well, so I legitimately feel like an idiot for asking that question, answer. even. <laughs> that's the right Yeah, there. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something, I, as a, I was a history teacher a student teacher for a little bit and i taught global history um and i taught uh, american government okay and global history is such a challenge because they'll take like okay here's a giant region region of asia and a 200 year period and you're gonna learn it in a week Mm -hmm. and it's like oh my gosh but then we'll dive thoroughly into u.s civil war which we should right um I just feel with education a lot of the time, you know, the show's called Less Stupid, I'm, which is maybe aggressive, but I try to think of as positive. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's all be a little less stupid. I need to be less stupid. I need to be less stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but if the if it was a priority of the government or people who really run this country who aren't the government, but essentially the mega wealthy who own the media and own most of the corporations... 
if it was a priority for people to be well-educated in this country, that would have happened. Right. That we would have been there so long ago. And it wasn't as bad as it is now, I'd say probably the 90s, but it's just every other part of the budget, it seems like federally and in state governments, just grows and expands and, and schools get left behind. Hmm. So, have you ever thought about, like, what was your education like? Let me just go go from there as far as formal education. Oh. Did you feel good about it? Uh, I had good teachers. That's good. For the most part. No, I mean, not really in high school. Uh, I had one, her name was Dr. Watson, and she was my history teacher. And mm-hmm. no one else liked her. No mm-hmm. one else liked her. I mean, Aww. I understand. She was she was aggressive and like if you were late she'd make you sing if i was an oscar minor wiener (laughs) like and i never heard that song before but she'd make you sing that in the middle in the front of the class and um but she what i liked about her um and i understand the teen mind is obviously gonna have some pushback like oh i don't like a teacher who's mean. Absolutely. But I, I liked her structure and I feel like that was lacking in a lot of the other classes where kids were just throwing stuff, yelling. We didn't have, uh, I think our school is rated a D or something like that. Mm. It was bad. Um, our, our school books were torn and worn and mm. uh, we. Was it a public school in Arizona? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our, we had a principal changed out like every few months. Mm. It was it was bad. One principal even punched a kid. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. I yeah. had a kid who was, uh, I was the student teacher, but then the cooperating teacher, Mr. Gomez, is New York City Public Schools, and those kids were rough. Yeah. Those kids were... Um, like they they pushed Mr. Gomez into the into the like the door frame because yeah. he was trying to get them to not leave the class early. Yeah, and he got a concussion, and the doctor was like, "You should take like two full weeks out because this job is so stressful." And also, yeah, you just got assaulted Underpaid by a sixteen year old. Seriously, how can we keep talent in the profession? Educators can't do anything else with their fucking lives, and they have to get additional work in the summer so much of the time just to keep up. It's disappointing. It really is because I, I mean, I understand like all the late hours of, of grading of the, you're almost, you're a counselor as well. You're sure. dealing with all, I had a teacher who was working like two jobs outside of school. Wow. Um, showing up sometimes really late, sometimes not at all. Really? Yeah. Sometimes oh, not at you all. cannot do that. And we were sh- trying to figure out who's going to teach this class. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, that's worse than the stories you hear of like teachers who uh read the newspaper like in the corner in their own classroom during class but like did not even be there at all didn't even show up didn't plan it nothing wow yeah so um in in that instance i mean you look at it and you're like the kids are bad but at the same time it's feeding off of both you're Mm -hmm. not showing up no one cares about i my milk carton once was moldy. It was like, wow. And they, yeah, they had roaches and it's like, how do you have respect for a school that you feel doesn't respect itself? You know? Mm. So that plays into it as well. That's like a a factor into education. And then on top of that, um, there was a lot of students in one class. So it's hard to, for the teacher, I would imagine, I guess to 
to actually be able to sit down with with each of them right for individual right help yeah you know the schools are so depleted it's so sad the rhetoric okay let me do a real quick tangent about like here's i envy conservatives because their rhetoric is so freaking forceful Mm. you know what i mean um like so here's my example donald trump is so forceful in his idea oh the military was totally depleted we gave 2.6 you know whatever billions dollars yeah we're gonna you know and now it's so restored and it's like dude what's fucking depleted look at the budget of the federal government the military has been thriving and and way stronger than anywhere else in the world and way stronger than we need it to be. Mm. And the weapons manufacturers charge whatever they want, which inflates the cost. What's depleted are the public schools. You see the books falling apart. You see them throwing 35 kids into a classroom that has 30 seats. You know, it's, it's sad because we do have abundance. We have abundant talent in terms of people who want to be teachers, um, Mm -hmm. but they can't get paid enough because we don't have enough resources. And we have, and the kids want to learn. Yeah. You know, so much of the time it's, it's put on this BS idea that, um, you know, oh, the kid, just natural for a kid to not want to be in class. No, it's, there's something wrong with the class and something wrong with the way that you're structuring the school if the kids don't want to be there. Mm. So it's fucked. What I noticed, <laughs> um, so I think of the most studious kids at, at my high school at the time, was this one white girl. She was super sweet, super intelligent. Her family cared immensely for her education, immensely. Like, she actually, like, I didn't have um, a time where I sat down with my family and did homework. Like, she would brag, like, talk talk about that and stuff. And I I think because I, my, of it's my... It's really important. It is. It's so important to have that, that background, too. And then on the opposite side, I had a, this African girl, um... And she was doing really well in school, but then her family was also on top of her work because they had moved to um, to America and mm. wanted to see her succeed. So that was a real driving force in there. So the presence of just their parents was there. Yeah. And, uh, and everybody in between far, didn't have that. A huge that. majority of the kids' day and life. Yeah. And so there's really only so much parents i'm sorry an educator can do when they have a caseload of 120 students Mm -hmm. um i experienced that too but it's hard because how can you tell (laughs) i experienced like um being frustrated with the students but also being frustrated with parents um do parents do they like to be told they're not good (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it's yeah it's it's sad um Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I try to be more I mean, at least optimistic. You cared enough. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it and and with being an educator, it's pretty interesting because um there is a big subset of the population who wants to honor you and it think it's great. And when you're and people tell people you're a teacher, it's like this empathetic like, thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like that you do that. But you know, I Part of less stupid is me wanting to envision just what's a more ideal society look like. Because we have to have a, some positive vision of the future if we want to make the world better. We can't just be mad at the negative stuff. Um, and, you know, for me, it's like ideal world. Education is free until you're 25. Mm. And, you know, pretty much none of your classes are going to be more than 20, 25 people. And that mm. should be only for things like a science lab or something, um, you know. 
look at literature is, I think, really important. Mm-hmm. And kids are sparknoting their way through it. <laughs> Uh, like an amazing way to teach literature would be like, okay, we're going to have nine kids in a class and we're going to like sit in a, a round table, kind of like the camera's on now. And we're going to really dive into, you know, N- Nora, uh, gosh, why am I blanking our name? Zora Neil Hurston. You know, we're going to really dive in on this Mark Twain. I'm just thinking mm-hmm. of books I was taught in 11th grade. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't right. remember them as well because I didn't read them all the way through because there's also so much stress around students um, having to, you know, take seven classes at once and yeah. divide up, you know, all their time. And it's, we know what it's like to be a 14 to 18 year old. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff pulling at you. There are. Yes. I, I used math way, way too much. Mm. It's, it gives you the answers <laughs> to your <laughs> problems. Wolfram Alpha is the one I knew about. Oh, yeah. Those are not good. <laughs> Definitely not good because they're addictive and you're you're just like, whatever, I could do this. Um, th- thankfully, the my um, classmates, I'm very c- competitive. So my classmates <laughs> were competitive and actually like the test. So that would in- enforce me to want to take the time to learn math and go over the problems and stuff. My teacher didn't care. My teacher did not give, <laughs> did not care. Um, uh, all of my teachers hardly ever showed up except for Dr. Watson. Really? She was on point. And my culinary teacher, but he threw a chair once oh, and wow. then he was gone. But he was great because, I mean, yeah, but they pushed him. <laughs> they pushed him to the limit. He told them not to put oh, eggshells okay. in their aprons and he still they, and put it in the in the washing machine. Oh my gosh. And they kept doing that and then they were drinking the milk out the fridge for their own cereal that they brought. Like they were <laughs> doing bad stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so they pushed him. Oh, I missed him cuz he was really great except the oh. chair thing, but you know. Absolutely. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm either going to empathize with the chair thrower or I'm going to, I don't know. It's hard to really yeah, take a I position mean, on that like, one. I don't know much. Think about it. Like, yeah. what pushes you to throw a chair? It has to be, especially in front of like a bunch of 15, 16 year olds. It's funny because my culinary teacher, Miho Hosaka, allowed me to air out a story in front of the class about a chair being thrown at me. What? So it's reciprocal. Your culinary teacher throws it. My culinary <laughs> teacher heals the wound. Awesome. It was YMCA basketball. No, actually, it was kid sports is the league. And I was in 10th grade. Yeah. And we were playing against Sheldon at the like Lane County Fairgrounds basketball court area. Uh, and yeah, it got pretty intense and it was a great fucking game. I don't even remember who won, mm. but, uh, we had this guy, uh, Kelson and he was like, he was one of these kids. You see him in basketball. If, if you're a sports person, like I love sports, like you see certain personalities in different sports and you see these people, uh, like sort of behavioral archetypes kind of emerging. I'm talking about like, sometimes you get a kid who is so fucking good at basketball but such a little shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not dissing. I like that guy. I, but at the time, the maturity Kelsey. level, he, he would just get heated. <laughs> yeah. He would get really heated. And like if somebody fouled him, he would get right up in their chest and he would talk shit to them as he's sinking his free throws. He was just that kind of a kid. Um, and he was like, I guess he was like probably 19 at the time. So no, he was 18. So he, he was a fucking kid. Um, but yeah, at the end of the game, uh, 
broke out in this weird brawl and the bench is cleared and i was just like trying to be the most peaceful one like yo 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 and then i look to my right and there's a big ass plastic chair that came and hit me right in the eye socket ouch so yeah i wasn't really thrilled no i I mean (laughs) woo, (laughs) good game like no yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. um that kind of makes me want to think about violence Mm -hmm. as a topic um because like i see martin luther king over there on the wall incredible um undeniably successful activist who preached nonviolence. And then someone seen sort of as his rival, though much has been made of their rivalry, Malcolm X. Right. By any means necessary, holding the, he was strapped walking around and the Black Panthers were defending their communities with arms mm-hmm. because frankly, what they were experiencing was oppression with arms. Um, what do you think about today in, in a world where so much of our cultural movements and dialogue is online um do you think that more violence is going to emerge and what do you what's your position on the compatibility of violence and social change i believe that uh, in order for change to happen we have to rise as a collective or you know a a certain amount of people need to rise as a collective Mm. but then they also have to be okay with laying their lives down because you never know what will happen in the pursuit of change. Mm. Um, and in that, in that sense, and what I'm saying is violence may happen. Mm. And I'm pretty sure the people who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King, Mm. to a certain extent, they believe they, they were aware that violence may happen, but they were so enthralled and so enamored and so ready to go because their leader was so ready to go. Mm. Um, and then once um, what happened to him happened, mm. it all kind of dissipated. And mm. no one really wanted to be that front front mm. head as much. Mm. So there's, there's definitely that element when we're going to try to make change happen. I agree. Um, Does it have to happen? No. Mm-hmm. Do we want it to happen? Ideally, no. Well, we're not starting at this like utopian ground zero where violence isn't already happening. That's is true. the thing. You know, the fact that we don't, we have such a dog shit federal healthcare situation mm-hmm. and system. The fact that we don't even have a public option that's affordable. Right. Um, Obama did a lot to, to get you uh, better coverage by making private insurance companies not able to fuck you out of current mm-hmm. uh, coverage right. and by making it so employers had uh, to step up a role, you know, and take care of your fucking fundamental physical and mental and fucking probably not even mental healthcare coverage is in there. But all I'm saying is like, if somebody's going to benefit off your labor and you're going to have that relationship, then they have a fucking vested interest in you being healthy and being able to live. Mm. Um, that's violence. The fact that, so many people don't have any kind of coverage. That's literally violence. So yeah. it's not like we're it's not like people who are radical activists who believe in violence, which I don't even know if I'm one of those people, right? Um, are just saying let's throw a throw a bomb into a situation. I don't know. You know, let's let's yeah. let's let's create this evil fisticuffs. It's already happening. Right. So 
I mean, I'm ready to go. <laughs> like, I, like I would. Yeah. 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 What, what? Yeah. You start some shit. <laughs> um, Just teasing. Yeah. I mean, for what I believe in and what I stand for, and but I I don't know if I'd be. Sometimes it just happens, though. Mm. Like, right now, I'm like, eh, would I be the front leader of some revolutional thing? I don't mm-hmm. know. But maybe the position may happen. Mm. Even when I'm like, I don't know, 60 or something like that. Mm. And I'm, I'm sitting on a bus, and I don't want to get up on my seat. <laughs> but um, It'll be an electric hovering bus, but yes. Right? My, yeah. I know. Oh, racism yeah. is totally going to exist in the future. It sucks, but oh, yeah. it's going to continue to mm-hmm. change and adapt and manifest. The only reason why I was kind of thinking about like, um, yeah, asking like, is there an era that you would have rather been in is because, um, it was, I think, pretty hard to deny how deep the influence of racism was and white supremacy when, you know, the drinking fountains and the bathrooms were segregated. Right. Um, whereas now there's the unfortunate, thing you deal with is a lot of people don't even want to listen to the idea that racism underpins our society right or has an influence even but i i'm not okay with that but mm-hmm. i would not change and try to go back because that's unraveling sure. a lot of progress that we've already created mm-hmm. i don't want to have to drink another drink from somebody a different fountain like yeah. that Honestly, that would be no. so outlandish for me to even think. And I, I do understand why people were sitting at um, coffee stations at, or going to cafes. Mm-hmm. Black people would go sit at the cafes, get hot coffee poured on them, get people would yep. uh, ash out their cigarettes on their hands. Like, I, that's not something that I have to experience. Crazy. And I thank my, my ancestors. Yes. I think the pe- people in my past who have brought me to something and I hope to make something of myself just to say like, thank you, you know, mm. more so than just let it all, let it, let it all go to waste. Yeah. Um, and I, even here I've, I've experienced racism, I've yes. experi- but like, I don't know why, but I've, I'm absolutely not okay with anyone really using the N word. I don't really use the N word to be honest. Mm. Um, but, um, I've become so numb to it almost. Mm. And it's not good because that's where problems arise. But I've heard it so many times. But it's good in the sense that I'm not going to react. Like, I'm not going to give you that reaction that you're hoping to get. I hope it doesn't fuck up your whole day when you hear it, you know. But sometimes I I sit down and I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm like, why did that person choose to say that to me? But if that's what I'm dealing with, then that's a sign that we've made progress. If Mm. that's the only thing, because I haven't Mm. been attacked. Um, I've dealt with it mainly when I was younger, not so more, not so much in my adult life. I hope Um, just not getting physically attacked. Isn't like the bottom line, you know, like I hope that like it would just be out of the question that anyone would be attacked in a racially violent way, but it it is a reality. Um, it's more, I'm glad I'm glad that you haven't experienced it. Here. I think it's more of just like ignorance. A lot of people just don't want to educate themselves. They don't mm-hmm. want to learn. Like like we see the Black Lives Matter signs everywhere, but like mm-hmm. are people actually taking the initiative to search that what that is or what that means? Um Absolutely. And just just living in that living in that ignorance. Actually, mm-hmm. an incident There's a lot happened. of great local chapters of BLM too that are doing yeah. really important work and it doesn't get covered and Very um, true. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a very like impressively localized movement and one that I've been um, like I 
uh, met with people from Black Lives Matter St. Paul in Minneapolis when I was uh, living in Minnesota um, and just, you know, super entrenched with like, what are the local labor rights issues here that are happening, mm. the local housing and zoning issues, the gentrification issues. Mm. And so um, I don't think Eugene has a chapter, but I could be totally wrong. They actually, mm. maybe they, they have, but the people doing racial justice advocacy here, like the biggest mind that comes comes to mind oh there's the NAACP Eugene Springfield chapter and then there's uh SURJ showing up for racial justice okay but that's the whole kind of idea that hey we are predominantly white society but there are a lot of people in Eugene that want to confront their white privilege and they want to work towards a better society here at KEPW for example right etc um and it and it comes with showing up yeah yeah sincerely caring but hopefully not just showing up and being like, here I am as a champion and like, let me give all the speeches and, you know, yeah. look at, look at this allyship that I'm doing. Right. It's like, let's show up and listen and also elevate people who have the experiences that we don't. And I'm lucky to have met people because when I was back, back in Tucson, I really didn't have any white friends, not because I didn't, I opposed to having them mainly because they were just in their own groups. Like everyone was in their own groups. Right. And, and here I've, I've been exposed more to, um, even for me, I've been exposed more to different races and I've never had really any white friends. And now I can say like two of my best friends are, and like they give me experiences and they're, and we talk about race and stuff and it's not awkward because we're both open to learning. And I want to surround myself with people who are open to learning, even on my side too. Mm -hmm. Like, like stereotypes like why people can't dance like that's that's not true okay it's not true really it's not is it really not true it's not i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's true like i I think that rhythm is something that yes certain beats because i went to a a country bar and i thought i would never ever walk in there one of my friends brought Mm me and they're all on beat doing the like the yes. I, I was off yes. beat. Yes, oh, I snap. was off beat. I didn't know what was happening. It's because there's a different step. There's a yes. different beat that that I think black people hear in music and white people hear in music. And like I could do my dances, but it was not what they were doing. Right, and that's the difference. Yeah, like duh. Like if a white person comes into like. You know, like yeah. every all the black people are doing this. They're gonna not n- really know. Yes, exactly. But like opposite, I go into a country bar. With, they're like, mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> has to do with swing. Like four four time signature. Different genres are very hard on yeah. the no, and others are not. True, very true. You know? And I learned. I'm that. thinking of uh, so fresh, so clean. It's got the dun, swing. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Ain't nobody dope as me. I'm just so fresh, so fresh and so clean, clean. Yeah, I saw Big Boy here in Eugene. Yeah. Yes, yes, at the McDonald Theater. Was it? Yeah. It was lit. I bet. Oh God. I bet. We need an Andre solo album, is my opinion. Jay Electronica is just saying that he finished his album. Are you familiar Ooh. with? No, him? I'm not. He's like this legendary maybe like guy who's never put out an album. Okay, a song? Um, a song? Oh, gosh. I'm going to... I see. I put you on this spot. <laughs> yes, he did. He's done work with Kanye, and I can't even sing uh, the one song by him. That's but, fine. But um, that's... There you go. I'm an album-based listener. Okay. You know, I grew... I was born 93. Mm-hmm. Bought 
bought late registration as my first rap CD mm-hmm. um, when it was new. Heard the heard a sample of Gold Digger on the radio, recorded it on cassette, uh-huh. looped it a bunch of times, so I learned that verse from Kanye's Gold Digger. Um, and I guess all I'm saying is that it's J Electronica can't be memorable enough to me for me to be like, yeah, that's his music, unless he's made a full a- album. Oh, okay. So okay, yeah, that's fair. But I'm a long-winded person. You see me rambling. You see me doing these long podcasts. You know, it's great. Well. It's definitely different. Like it's or it's definitely people have different um, ways that they experience music and media. Like right. I'm thrilled if I see a podcast, two people that I like, and it's two hours long, and pop that shit on, and just, relax, kind of yeah. watch it, vibe out, do whatever I'm doing, maybe get some work done, clean, yes, <laughs> <laughs> mow the lawn for sure. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You don't listen to something when you mow the lawn? Nah, I don't mow the lawn. I don't have a lawn. Oh, yeah. I don't have a lawn. I live in a little small I don't have apartment. a lawn right now either, but all I'm saying is... Yeah, <laughs> I if to, I did, I'd be I listening to, to this podcast. I used to be mowing and listening and bumping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. So much music about we could talk about. Um, did you... I just thought it was so iconic and dope with Destiny's Child because uh, you brought them up earlier. Yes. When they popped out, literally popped out onto Beyonce's halftime show. Yes. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like boom, Kelly, boom, Michelle. It was beautiful. And just such power. And and uh, the recent Super Bowl performance, I actually haven't watched it yet, um, but Shakira J-Lo yeah. uh, also being praised for being very just like, just a great show. Two powerful, powerful women. women of color. And... and- I, I want to say this specifically. Celebrating sexuality, we talked about earlier. Older women celebrating sexuality. And I don't mean like Ooh. old, but older women. Because a lot of times older women, I think it stems from our past. Because women normally in their 40s or 50s, are there's a there was a different idea of what women were doing. They were at home cooking, cleaning. Mm. They were settled down. Mm. But these women are on fire. Like... Uh, Shakira's 43. I thought she was like in her 20s. She looks phenomenal. Oh my gosh. Phenomenal. Okay. And I, and her songs were still like, yeah. are still hot. Like still, yes. I was, I was just like the totally whole time. I was here for it. I was like, yes, they were hitting nice. every mark. Every mark. I was making sandwiches at one of my jobs and I couldn't hear it, but yeah. <laughs> they, it, it looked was, great. It was Fuck so yeah. great. It was so And great. those shows have been iffy at times. Which yeah. is the thing. This is why I was so glad to see like um, just such a powerful and and strong performance because the Maroon Five uh, mm-hmm. was was a bummer from the vo- in the vocal department because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think Adam Levine is a great singer, but he had for the first, especially the first half of his performance, mm-hmm. flat, mm-hmm. just not on point. And then the other example I think of this is way back to like 2012 or something. Um, Black Eyed Peas. Black Eyed Peas is one of the worst halftime shows I've I ever seen. I love the Black Eyed Peas, though. I can't They're see so ill on them. Good. I, I love them. I love them. But Fergie was, oh, she was not hitting those notes. And they brought out Slash, which was pretty cool. Mm. She sang Sweet Child of Mine. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, have you seen her do the national anthem? Yes. You can't tell yes. me that was a good national anthem, right? I believe... <laughs> She was trying out a rendition, and I also believe she did do it to the best of her ability for that rendition. Okay. I. That's all I'm going to say on that. 
<laughs> it must be hard to be a singer. I would probably say to be a woman singer too, to have to just like go out there and, and be expected to kick ass every time. Right. And if you do a creative different interpretation, because my thing with her was that she looked like she was really owning it too. Yeah. And, she, she gave- but I, did, I personally didn't think it sounded good, but mm-hmm. um I don't know. No, and I I th- think she apologized too. Oh, really? Yeah. So she's she's aware that it wasn't to the best, like the yeah. way that it was delivered or received wasn't there. Um, mm. And I also feel like she hasn't really. The last song that I heard was some like milf money or something where she had Kim Kardashian uh, appear in it. And then I haven't heard from her since. Yeah. She tried the solo record and she even got some of the famous features and it just didn't pop that much. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I love black eyed peas though. I mean, music of my childhood. Yeah. I love. I'm 26 now. Mm -hmm. How old are you? I'm 23. 23. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, was probably I was in elementary school when Ella Funk came out. Yeah. And then I was just getting to either middle school or fifth grade when Monkey Business came out. Mm-hmm. And that has some cuts on it. Right. Both, both of those albums like stacked with hits. Mm-hmm. Like Don't Lie, My Humps, mm-hmm. Pump It, Where's the Love. Uh, there's some cuts on Ella Funk, one called Labor Day, It's a Holiday. Have you heard mm-hmm. that one? Or Hands Up, it's the opening track. Mm-mm. It's just stacked. So good. Um, Will I am. Uh-huh. He tried producing this Instagram model named India Love. She's mm. 23 and um she's gorgeous. Mm. Like gorgeous. But she can't sing. <laughs> and I kept wondering why does why is he still trying to push her? He was pushing her as a musician then. Yeah. Okay. Um and and endorsing her, you know? He yeah. was fully but like every song was just really bad, mm. really bad. Like her cadence mm. off, gorgeous, very, yeah. very pretty. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I wonder what's up with that. Yeah. Um, in the rock vein, there's a band I really like called Snail Mail. Mm-hmm. Um, and but even again, it's like it's a barrier that women seem to experience in art, where uh, it's this amazing girl. She started the band in high school. Her name is Lindsay Jordan, I think, mm-hmm. uh, from Maryland. Um, and she is a good looking um white girl with blonde hair and mm-hmm. she um she puts a lot into her music it's got a, a really cool kind of 90s shoegaze um jangly kind of aesthetic to it kind of throwback mm-hmm. um but like the biggest thing that the fucking people say about her just because of her looks is oh she's an industry plant like oh <laughs> like oh, she's not even that talented or blah, blah, blah. It's like, or, you know, making up stuff about like people doing her music for her. And it's like, no, she, she's literally created that band name snail mail from when she was in high school, like gained the respect of people in Maryland, which is like actually got old school punk history and a lot of like, it's hard to get respect there in music. Right. Um, but it's just, it's an uphill battle. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, do you have music that you've put out into the world? Like where could people potentially find a very good question and support you, especially if they like everything you've been hearing, they've been hearing from you now. Um, so like I said, I've, I've been singing, but I've only really started recording like a few months ago mm-hmm. and a lot of them are collabs, but I'm working Sweet. with this artist named Lil Mamba. We're going to come out with a song called Routine, and it will come out before Valentine's Day. Nice. So if you follow me on Instagram, A-M-I-I-A, 
N-E-C-T-A-R. On all social media platforms, it, it'll be released. And we're so excited for that. Fuck I'm yeah. so excited. It's the yeah. first time I'm rapping. And nice. it's like, yes. Woo. Yes. Bars. Yes. You want to spit some bars? I'm not. A, some... I can't freestyle. Oh, okay, no, don't yeah, put me on yeah, the spot true. like that. <laughs> uh-uh. No, no worries. Yeah, no. that'd be. And honestly, like, how good is a freestyle going to be at over an hour into a podcast? <laughs> I don't know if you have Megan the Stallion on here. Like, Ooh. I bet she'd be like, uh, I'm on that cash shit. Yes. She's so fire. Did you see her tiny desk? Yes. <sighs> her it breath control, phenomenal. her presence. What the Phenom- fuck? And she actually, I believe she, and I don't, don't, don't quote me on this, but mm-hmm. from what I've heard or what I can remember, she started rapping not too long ago too, like at 22 wow. and she's 24. Mm-hmm. So within that time, but she did grow up around her mother rapping. And so okay. de- definitely that's, that's, that's so good. But not too mm-hmm. long ago, she actually started putting it, putting it to the pen, up nice. to, putting a pen to the paper. So yeah. it's like beautiful. Wow. And she's, yes. I was just talking to my last guest, uh, just Joey, who's a, he's a Wisconsin to Vanita, Oregon, uh, rapper and he's super dope. Mm. I'll send you some of his stuff. Yes. Um, but he was, we were talking about how like growing up around music, mm-hmm. um, makes a big difference in terms of how you interpret the world and whether you're going to be a musician. Like I feel yeah. like because my dad was so musical, had guitars all around the house, could hardly go a couple hours in the house without hearing some guitar being played. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like, I hear the world musically right? because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had your mom rapping. Um, and then were there other, any other early influences and or like what was, well, what was my playing mom in the didn't house? Rap. Megan the Stallion's mom. Oh, rap. my bad. But, oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> no, my mom, uh, actually, honestly, no, it was mainly yeah. just me singing. Uh, my si- yeah, my little right sisters on. sang. And then I would also create little groups in, in, in our neighborhood. I would uh-huh. get all the kids, all the girls, especially. We'd all, I'd t- tell them how to do the choreography. Nice. What's how we're singing the song and then we'd perform it. Um, I just wish that we would record it. That would have been such a good thing to, to have just for a keepsake. But mm. I would do that and um, perform for them as well. So that's how I kind of had it. I, I didn't really, I wasn't in anything either mm-hmm. musically. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. showing this to my uh, in a choir or anything like that until mm-hmm. I got into high school. So up until then, it was just like, I just love music and I love singing. Yeah. I, honestly, when I first started singing, I think I could, I know there's a difference between like making a noise and singing. And mm-hmm. I think I made a lot of noises. <laughs> like uh, in high school, I used to send people clips. I'd be mm. like, I'd be like, like this, like my um, post, if you want me Sweet. to send you a song, send, send, send a clip of me a singing. personal song. Yeah. Nice. And I do that. And I listened to one actually the other day. I was like, what? This was not good. It sounded horrible. <laughs> and I deleted it for myself, but I know that they still have it on their side. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I sent my out Christian a lot of that. My friends would say it sounds good to the Lord. I know. <laughs> if it has give a fuck in it, if it has heart. That to me is actually one of the most important things. Mm-hmm. I actually am really endeared to I, uh, like artists who are trying really hard and they don't even have to have the conventional talent. Like uh, <laughs> I mentioned Insane Clown Posse earlier. I grew into liking that band because like 
I went on a Wikipedia page saying what were the bands considered the worst ever. Because mm. I had heard Nickelback, and that's an example where I don't really like Nickelback. But I don't mind Nickelback. Okay, right uh, on. There uh, you go. I feel like it's a like train Creed. people are hopping Creed, on, everybody okay? hates Creed, says the Creed's yeah. derivative and shitty, and I think Creed is fucking badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I listen to it, it makes me feel good. Right. I don't believe in a guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I believe if it makes you feel good, if it gets your foot tapping, if it puts positive rhythm in your day. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm going to do a it. cover to Nickelback. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am. I'm a post. Look at this photograph. Yes. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. What, what's a nickel drag track that you like then? Um, I haven't listened to them in a right. long time. Right. Um. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I forgot how it goes. It's been mm-hmm. a long time. I'm yeah. not like a Nickelback fan. Fair. But I. Fair. Do, I'm not. I'm not on They've the opposite. Got that big soaring hook kind of thing that I. I get the appeal. I mm-hmm. definitely do. But um, another example in the movie world is there's a movie I really love called Birdemic. And the only people that have listened this far are your fans who I apologize to you for talking about Birdemic to your fans. But um, and people who are like the two or three people who are my close friends mm-hmm. and they already fucking know I love Birdemic. But the whole point is it's just an attempt to make a full length movie by a guy who had no fucking business making a full length movie. Mm-hmm. So like the CGI for the birds that are um, somehow like radioactive evil birds, by mm-hmm. the way, is like, it looks like animated GIFs are on the screen. But if you look at, you've talked to the guy, he was really sincere about it. Like, and mm. that's what comes through to me in art. That's what I like is somebody who's like, okay, my life needs for this art to exist. I don't care if 10 people in a row or 20 people in a row tell me that they don't like it. I'm going to fucking do it. That's true. To me, th- that I'm more excited to hear that than, oh, the sixth Maroon 5 album, where I, I know what they're about, I, and I know it's going to sound polished. <laughs> I would love to sit down with Pharrell, because I feel like <sighs> I feel like he would know right away whether or not I was being authentic to myself mm. um, in my music, and um, I know for him it's a big deal to, to soul search and to really find what sits with you because even if your music sounds similar to someone else's mm. it he can tell if you're if you are trying to really be this other person right. versus if you are are being true to yourself right and I, yeah he's just one person that i also really love talk about someone who's not limited by genre for real amazing for real. drummer for real for real yes bassist multi-instrumentalist mm-hmm. producer uh, produced my favorite Kitty, Kid Cudi song ever, mm-hmm. which is Surfing. Mm-hmm. Do you know that song? I don't. Nice. Oh, I can't. I don't even want to sing it because it's Cudi and I'm going to fuck it up, you know? <laughs> but if you knew it, we would have fucking had a yes, good time. Yeah, we would have been vibing then. right now. But that's the thing about, I love that about music is like so many things that disconnect people from one another. Mm-hmm. And when two people or more than two people hear a song and they know the lyrics and right. they sing it together, instant kinship nostalgia instant connection yes oh my god i had a friend i i sat and we went on youtube and just on the nostalgia tip uh her name's itzel chacon and we were at this like uh program helping these young kids uh, apply to colleges and in the evenings we would turn up and uh we just like fucking had a few drinks and went on youtube and listened to like my chemical romance mm-hmm. panic at the disco uh fucking i don't know taking back sunday probably yellow card blink 182 mm-hmm. i miss you i miss mm-hmm. you like fucking 
instantly that nostalgia does take you right back it does um yeah teenagers by my chemical romance yeah that was like the one rebellious That's song they say oh is yeah that? yeah teenagers scared the living shit out of me yeah they, they could care less as long as someone will bleed yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. like, because we because I was friends with the emos in uh, my middle school. I was emo. And they were they were on the wall for fucking yes, uh, like everything else. Fucking Changi, Nelly, uh, fucking you, mm-hmm. Soldier Boy. I didn't even, can't even couldn't even remember Soldier Boy's name for a second. I could only remember you. <laughs> but then teenagers comes on and everybody yeah, right doing their little yeah. Fun right. goth dances. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. It There's room great. for everybody at the middle school dance. There is. <laughs> but you got to leave, leave room for Jesus, you know? Well, hmm. I walk like 20 minutes to my, to my, like 25 minutes. I live far, but I, and it was dark. Really? And I walked to my middle school dance. Yeah. I got all dressed up. I was looking a little too good to be okay. walking out late at night like that. But um, <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing. I was like, uh-huh, okay. yeah, get there. Okay. No one wanted to dance with me. That's no. fine. That's fine. That's because I was a little weird. Admittedly so. I was weird. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then I ended up walking back home at like 11 o'clock at night. 25, oh, wow. 25 minutes. Well, you came to Eugene. There has to be some weirdness in you. Yeah, for I sure. Guess. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, we definitely, I was a person who was very socially awkward, but I also love people. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you had to be going to the dance with someone, otherwise you weren't cool. Right. So um, the big buzz, uh, if uh, there was a dance coming up, uh, whether it was in the fall or the spring, like who were you taking? Who are you asking? How did you ask them? Right. So even in middle school. Um, but like, yeah, I I went to the dances with a couple of different uh, girls at various points, and just didn't know what to do from there. <laughs> like, oh, we're at the dance now. Well, I don't normally dance at these, so uh, <laughs> like, let's just stand around and be in circles with people, kind of awkwardly. <laughs> what made me mad is like throughout my whole, pretty much my whole experience in schooling as a child or as mm. a kid, teenager, like all the popular guys would like hit on me on the low, but they would mm. never ever want to hit on me around their homies oh, or none of that stuff. They'll be like, no. hey, what's like see me in the hallway or whatever. I'm like, uh-huh. And, it just, and just keep on walking. I was not phased by it. I saw right through it. Okay. Yeah. And uh, hey, if you're going to freaking come at me, if you're going to talk gonna, to me, better, like, don't be ashamed. Know? Like, yeah, ugh. Absolutely. Ugh. You're going to hide me away. No, like the, like that's a turnoff for me. Like, uh, and, and a, in a, not in a negative way against you, but just mm-hmm. for my own standards. Like if you don't think I'm attractive, like, or enough to like show me to the people that you care about or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you just want to do something on the low that like, that's for me is as a no go. Oh, like, well, I, I, I mean, I want to think highly en- en- enough of myself and I hope other people, all my viewers and stuff think highly enough of yourself to not let that kind of disrespect come onto you. Unless, the, unless you're just trying to like have a few things, have a few flings or whatever sure. happen. That's all, mm-hmm. that's all well, but I, mm-hmm. I, I'm very monogamous. I like mm. to have some, like to have a boo. You know, <laughs> and I'm gonna show you off. You show me off. I'm looking for my yeah. boo. I had a boo for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Dang, yeah. three years. Well, yeah, and then uh, we're on a break right now, but I don't think we're gonna get back together. <laughs> oh. It just looks like 
How many breaks y'all had? You know, we really have only had this one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but um, she's out in like central time zone and I'm out here. So it's, mm. it's far and our lives are different. But um, with relationships, um, it's, it's always sad to me when there isn't any contact at all afterwards for me but mm-hmm. but that's not always how it's needs to be or should be uh, that's for healthy tough. growth and, yeah i like to connect i, I honestly I've, I've had this habit of trying to keep in contact with my exes hmm. but they always they always see it as a door open mm. to come back eventually i okay. get like a drunk call or drunk text ah. or, or whatever and their real feelings come out it's like i thought we were f- just friends but okay. no i all my exes can't just be friends and I had to learn that the hard way because it hurts because mm. people don't realize when somebody leaves out of your life, you're kind of grieving to a certain extent. You're grie- mm. you're grieving their loss and mm. and it hurts, but mm-hmm. um, it's important for your own health just yeah. to... Mac Lethal said, love is when you miss someone who's sitting right in front of you. Dang. That's what it is. Uh, right. Sometimes when you right. when you had this deep connection, there was physical intimacy, there was such emotional connection, and then you know, let's just go get pizza now. You yeah. know, like uh, it can be it can be hard unless that you know some 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 connections between people are so st- strong and important and solid yeah. that they can move in and out of. We were in a relationship, and now we're just friends who love each other in a friend way. Yes, that's great. That I, is beautiful. It is beautiful, mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. None, none of my exes. You know who you are. <laughs> probably watching. Probably going to watch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think there's always been tr- difficulties and challenges in the dating world, but right now with the apps, it's just so sad that it's so superficial with how quickly we have to make judgments about you know whether we what do you think about that apps um they do differ not all of them are so much like that like hinge is one where Mm -hmm. you know you actually have to choose a certain part of of a person's profile to like or respond to a certain part of their profile so i think that's better okay um unless you're just looking for the quick smash but (laughs) which (laughs) i don't know a lot of those yeah um yeah I just like honesty. You know, mm-hmm. I like when people are like, I've had people who like stand out from the pack by literally writing like looking for something serious or just a quick fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like just the fact that you put that on the table <laughs> makes me <laughs> like there's plausible deniability too. If she felt like, Oh, I don't want to be shamed yeah, because I am looking for something serious, but it could also just be a quick fuck. Right. Right. But at least that's like, Hey, it's going to be depending on who you are. Like right. If if you're super hot, but like unintelligent or we can't vibe, then mm-hmm. maybe we could. Yeah, just, I don't know. <laughs> I, for me, the vi- like the energy always has to be there. I can't just like. Yes. I can't just. I just can't. Cause yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. So the energy has to be there. At least like we've talked a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, can't just be like, okay met up here let's mm-hmm. do it for me personally mm-hmm. so sure. that connection has to be there yeah well uh, apps i think apps though i feel it's i feel the best route is always like organically like in a like in a seat in the scene maybe not exactly a bar it could be a bar you know but like in a in a social setting where things kind of just flow and it happens and i do think women should 
to should um advance first like hit on guys just mm. as much as the opposite i do think personally i think that and I know there's, there's weird a, expectations that go into this gendered yeah yeah thing. for sure yeah there's a, a huge wave on youtube of women saying Elizabeth that like warren asked her uh oh? husband to marry her oh i can't do that though <laughs> okay yeah not any warren fan Oh, you can't no. ask someone to marry them. No, yeah, least. that yeah. one. I can't ask a man to marry me. Sure. That's also, mm. yeah, that's, okay. that's why I'm feeding into it. But, I, yeah. Hey. I'm, yeah, I just. We all live in this world. Nobody's. <laughs> that's <laughs> nobody, true. That's you true. Know, and nobody's I feel like, in a vacuum devoid of any influences. Like, the influences are there. You just try yeah. to, like, make the world a little better and focus on the positive ones. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I have maybe one last question, unless there's anything you're dying to say, which is, what's one way we could all be a little less stupid? Mm. Work on yourself, mm. meditate, pray, whatever that is to get yourself centered, because it kind of really all starts from within on the on the outside. And that helps you interact with people better you just feel happier i feel so happy after i've meditated nice. and literally like the trees look greener like yeah <laughs> the flowers are waving back at me <laughs> um <laughs> but no i feel i feel just zen i yes i feel yeah for sure um i do have a show coming up beautiful a- april 3rd um it's a while, but it'll be at the That's Davis great. and it's going to be packed. You should come definitely, you know, support that. So nice. Yeah. Is there anyone else on the bill or any? Yeah, we'll have Lavish. We'll have Julian Outlaw. Um, Sweet. Benny Cosmic. I uh, just met Julian at my sandwich job. Julian is phenomenal. What an amazing. I haven't even listened to his music. Just great energy as a person. What he stands for too. Nice. I'm telling you, when he performs, it's like. Yes. But then at, at the end, he like closes it out with just like, you know, just be you and like, fuck yeah. Like, he's great. That's epic. He's great. Work um, with me, Julian. Well, I was talking to my friend, Just Joey. Ho- hopefully you'll meet again, like I said. But he, he was talking about being new to here, not knowing um, if like hip hop like is really happening here or has a home here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, just all about making those connections. It is. And uh, getting together and, you know, making music and making community happen at shows. So April 3rd, the Davis um, on Broadway and Olive. Yep. In the heart of downtown Eugene. Mm-hmm. Check out Amia Nectar. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Peace out, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> kick, away. Yeah. kick the audience yeah. away. <laughs>